I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Thursday, October 19th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, uh, the uh, Gold Glove Award finalists uh, were announced at, at, uh, at each position in the American League and National League yesterday. Uh, the, uh, you know, the usual cast of characters, I think, uh, for a lot of positions uh, uh, were, you know, who we figured would be uh, there you know, not a lot of surprises in terms of uh, some of the names, but one uh, surprise that did uh, uh, sort of pop up, I think, uh, was in center field uh, in the American League where uh, Julio Rodriguez, uh, Luis Robert, and Kevin Kiermeyer were named the finalists. And uh, despite all of his uh, defensive prowess, uh, Miles Straw was not among the finalists this year. Uh, in the American League, the defending AL um, Gold Glove winner uh, won't get a chance to to do that uh, this offseason. Uh, reflective of uh, sort of maybe a, a a really down year for Straw, uh, who, who struggled at the plate, but also uh, you know didn't necessarily uh, maybe turn in the kind of year defensively that that, uh, you know, gets you recognized for uh, a gold glove and, and, and gets you voted uh, by your peers and by, uh, you know, the coaches who, who see you uh, on a regular basis. Uh, it leads to a lot of questions about what center field is going to look like for the Guardians moving forward. We know that Straw is, is sort of, uh, you know, tied to a, what, a five-year contract now. Uh, that he signed uh, before the start of last season. Um, you know, this is this leads to a bigger question of uh, for us: what center field is going to look like moving forward in Cleveland, and is Straw going to be a a, a part of that? Uh, yeah, Joe. I mean, uh, you know, I think uh, you know Straw had a 1.1 WAR th- this past season with uh, you know Baseball Reference that uh, so. You know, he, he you know he played 147 games. He was solid defensively. I mean, he was you know he was excellent defensively, really. Uh, but you can't tell me that Luis Robert Jr. hitting you know close to 40 home runs doesn't influence his his being out there as a Gold Glove you know finalist. I, I mean, I know they calculate you know defense the defensive metrics that have be- become a part of the Gold Glove nomination. 
combinations. But I think uh, if you're going to hit 40 bombs and and he's still and and Roberts is a you know really a good uh, defensive center fielder, I think uh, you know that plays a role in it. Yeah, I I think as far as being a natural outfielder and uh, you know doing everything that you need to do in terms of tracking a ball, getting jumps on a on a, a ball in flight, uh, uh, you know just the uh, every all the intangibles of the position itself. I I I think Straw is probably the top guy in the American League. Uh, I I just I, I wonder why he wasn't voted up that way. Uh, by the coaches and why the, the the metrics which seemed to favor him last year, uh, you know, really didn't sort of kick in this year and, and get him at least uh, a top three uh, finish for the award. Yeah, I think you know, obviously a team performance I think plays into the role. You know, they. Well, uh, if that's the case, then why is if that's the case, then why is Robert up there? Uh, team performance. Yeah, he, I mean, he had his, forty home runs. He had thirty nine, yeah. forty home runs. You know, that's that's why he's there. I mean, I, you know, I've seen this happen a lot. And, uh, you know, and I think the the voting is much is is much fairer, you know, on a much uh, level playing field now, you know, with the with the uh, introduction of the defensive metrics. But, you know, I think uh, offense is still going to play a role. And, you know, two years ago, Cleveland was the darlings of baseball with 92 wins this year. What they win, 76. They finish in third place. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're fortunate to have three gold glove finalists. Yeah, those three gold, uh, gold glove finalists, Andres Jimenez, second, uh, who, who you know, could be a contender for platinum glove uh, as the best defensive player overall, uh, as well as Stephen Kwan again in left field. He's going to face a, a pretty tough test uh, in, in another finalist in Dalton Varsho, who's more of a center fielder who they just listed as the the, the left fielder for Toronto, uh, but but Varsho uh, uh, leading all of baseball in defensive runs saved, uh, you know could uh, you know, could make it hard for Quan to repeat as a Gold Glover, and then you've got Jose Ramirez who uh, you know is a five-time finalist but can never seem to win the award, uh, and it's kind of hard when you've got guys like Matt Chapman over there at third base uh, and and Alex Bregman who also has never won the award but. Uh, is a is, is a perennial finalist. Uh, you know those guys are throughout the season were excellent uh, at, at their positions, and we saw that, and we've we've commented about it so many times. Uh, but I don't want to, uh, str- uh, you know, we can come back to them and, and, and talk a little bit more about that uh, in depth. But I don't want to stray away from straw too much. I want to get into to some of the numbers here. Uh, according to Baseball Savant. Uh, his uh, outs above average, his his range was in the 89th percentile this year, uh, and his uh, arm arm strength, his arm value was actually uh, a negative one uh, in terms of outs above average. So that's uh, in the 39th percentile. I think that might have hurt a little bit. Is is that uh, you know teams don't respect or his his arm as much as as maybe it played up a little bit last year. Uh, this year, uh, the arm strength was in the 62nd percentile, uh, according to Baseball Savant. So, uh, you know, some of those stat cast numbers weren't as, uh, you know, maybe gaudy as they were last year when he was a, um, you know, uh, the Gold Glove winner last year. Uh, it, 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 the numbers were significantly different uh, last year in terms of his, uh, you know, feeling abouts above average and, and, and so forth. Yeah, Joe, that's, uh, you know, kind of surprising. 
he had uh, he was second in the uh, in the American League in uh, six assists from in, among center fielders. But uh, you know, I guess that also kind of you know it works against you too. It's if you're six and you know if, if everyone is running on you, you're gonna you're you know you're gonna throw some people out. So I don't know if you know it's a two edged sword sometimes. But yeah, you know, geez, I thought I you know I love Straw's arm. I thought he I thought he showed he had great arm strength. But who knows? Yeah, and and maybe we're a little spoiled because we uh, we got to see him every day, and and you know you, you sort of take for granted what he does out there. But you know you go back to something uh, like Tito said, uh, and he was fond of saying he's like when the ball was hit in the air, you knew it was going to be an out, and and that was a sort of a, when it when the ball didn't get caught, uh, you were surprised, and it was more more of a you know noticeable or noteworthy when when a ball landed and and straw didn't get it get to it or uh you know he was rarely out of position rarely had a bad jump on a ball uh and you know i don't i don't think from a purely defensive perspective i, I don't think that that's why we have so many questions about the future of of center field i think uh it, it's it's purely offensive you know we're, we're looking at the numbers uh the batting numbers this year uh, his expected batting average, you know, 30th percentile expected slugging. He's the, the, the bottom 1% of, of the, the league in terms of his expected slugging, uh, bottom 7% in, uh, you know, expected or average exit velocity and, and 1% in, in barrels, second percent in hard hit. This was a guy who just didn't produce at all enough at the plate to justify his excellent defense and keeping him out there in, in center field. Yeah, you, uh, exactly, Joe. I mean, if this if Cleveland is going to revamp their offense and they have to, they have to find a way to score more runs. It's going to start in center field. It's got to start there. You've got to find a, a guy that is a, a two way player that is going to give you more offense. And whether whether you you know, move some people around in the outfield, whether you sign a free agent, whether you make a trade. Uh, you know, whether you bring a guy up from the minors, you know, something has to be done. Yeah, that's sort of my next question would have been, you know, do you think that uh, the answer is somewhere within the system right now? Or do they have to look they have to look outside the system, right? They they have to pay for it. You have to you have to spend the money or something like that, because right now your options within the system aren't, you know, what aren't going to produce what you need. Well, I was looking at, you know, let's let's take a look at their options in the system. You've got, uh, you know, Will Brennan could could move from right field to the, to center field. Uh, you could move a Quan uh, from left field to center field, but you still, you know, you still have the problem of filling the, filling those corner outfield spots with a run producer. Uh, you know, so you know, but you know, uh, you've got a Ramon. Uh, Ramon Laureano is yeah is still is still on the club. He's not a free agent at the end of the at the end of the World Series. They still control him. You got George Valera in in the minors. He's played some center field. Um, you know I, you know that and uh, you know so I mean but Valera obviously missed a lot of time this year with injuries. So you know you know, I think you can kind of move that outfield around, but you're still going to have to. You know, you're still going to have to add some some punch somewhere in in the outfield, whether you do it in center field or whether you you move Quan or, or Brennan to center field and uh, you know add a add a corner outfielder. Yeah, it just feels like 
you know, playing a shell game and, and shuffling guys around and moving around what you've already got, uh, you know, doesn't seem like it's going to produce uh, the, the level of offense that you need out of that spot. And let's be honest, right now you're getting nothing out of that spot. You're getting uh, zero. I think the, the, the clutch stats, the, the clutch hitting was as bad as, as anybody in the league this year. Uh, you know, under 200 with uh, with runners on base and, you know, uh, two outs and uh, RBI, any RBI situation. And it always seemed, you know, in a in those tight one run games that that straw was up there late striking out with runners on base. Yeah. And I don't know if that'll ch- you know, that is that has got to change, uh, Joe. It's got to change. You know, they've got to find some more. They've got to find ways to score runs. And, you know, <laughs> You know, I, I love Straw. I like his I like his defense, but you know that's the spot that's sticking out. And you know they they always find you know you've got to, you know it's either run scoring or run prevention. And uh, okay, Straw gives you some run prevention, but the the fact that he you know he doesn't you know he's not even he he, he only hit like eighteen doubles. Joe, I mean, mm-hmm. if if you're not going to hit home runs and he doesn't, he hit one home run this year. You, you and he, with his speed, he's got to get on base. He's got to hit singles. He's got to hit doubles. He's got to be a threat on the bases. And he wasn't that. You know that that's that. You know you can live with the player with that profile if he gets on base and and is causing some havoc on bases. But for whatever reason, Miles didn't do that this past season. Yeah, batting average with two outs and runners in scoring position. So basically, the, the the time when you need uh you need that base knock the most with you know to get a run home to get two runs home to to flip a game that's a, a one run game or a tied game or something uh, two outs runners in scoring position he hit 170 this year with 15 strikeouts uh, late and close situations according to uh, Baseball Reference uh, hit 192 with 31 strikeouts uh, and and in, in situations where you were within one run, within two runs. He was at 208, 213. Uh, so, yeah, his numbers improved at the plate. Uh, his batting average improved when it was, uh, you know, a, the game was a little more spread out within four runs, within three runs. Uh, he was 235, 268. But, uh, you know, when when they needed a clutch hit, uh, his 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 production was is non-existent. And and I don't know if it, it wasn't anything physical. I don't. He looked like he was healthy. Uh, I I just really get the got the feeling and got the sense. You could be around a guy in the clubhouse, and he, he it just felt to me like the confidence just wasn't there from the very beginning of the season. Uh, you know, it was between his ears the entire time, and he was getting himself out at the plate more than you know he was you know getting retired by pitchers. Or, or getting put away by defense. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think he, he has that mentality. He doesn't want to strike out. He prefers soft contact over you know, kind of taking a chance now and then in a, in it during you know particular at bats, particular counts to try to drive the ball. And he just you know that led to a lot of weak contact and a lot of easy outs. And you know, we've seen that from a lot of. Uh, Cleveland's hitters, you know, with, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they, this was a team that what struck out the fewest times in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, they, they prefer, you know, they, they 
choose contact over strikeouts, but contact doesn't do you any good if you're if you're rolling over to the second baseman or hitting a ten, you know a ten hopper uh, to the uh, to the shortstop. Yeah, the, the the barrels and hard contact percentage uh, needs to improve, and and I don't know, maybe that's something that he can he can discover at a you know a a, a facility or a, you know some place like driveline and go there and, and just work on uh, necessarily your swing mechanics or your, just your approach, but uh, that has to change. And and the Guardians are gonna you know be I don't want to say stuck with him, but you know he signed a contract and you know both parties agreed to it, so. You know, he's going to be here unless they make a trade uh, for for the next three, four years. Yeah, he is signed through, uh, you know, he's signed through, well, he's signed through, uh, uh, he signed through 200, 2026 with club options for 2027 and 2028, Joe. So he's, he's going to be here for a while. And, uh, you know, I think Miles, you know, he went to the swing camps. Uh, Cleveland swing camps over the winter last year. I think he'll be there again this year because, you know, uh, uh, Chris Antonetti and, and, uh, Mike Chernoff really, when they were, were in Detroit, they had their exit meetings. They talked to, uh, to Miles and they said, you know, this is a huge off season for you. You know, you've got to get going. So I think that means he'll sometime in December, he's going to be in Cleveland, you know, uh, you know, working, working with uh, their, the hitting group. Uh, if they just do decide to go outside, uh, of the franchise to, uh, to find another center field or another option that, that provides, uh, you know, a, a better offensive profile, uh, you know, what are some of the options? Who could you see here? Um, you know, if, if they decide to spend big, if they decide to, to spend modestly, uh, I, I would think that the guys at the, uh, at the top of the free agent class right now, it would be out of character for for the Guardians to go ahead and sign somebody uh, like those names. Yeah, I mean Cody Bellinger is obviously the top uh, center field center fielder on the free agent market. Had a big bounce back year um, with the Cubs. Hit 307, 26 home runs, 97 RBIs, and 888 uh, you know 888 888 OPS. Uh, you know former MVP uh, and National League MVP, and, you know, he just uh, came back after two, you know, down, two or three down years with the Dodgers. So, I, you know, he's going to be that, the, the big, the big, uh, the big name on the, among the center fielders on, on the open market. Does he seek uh, a 10 year deal? Does he seek, you know, 200 million, 300 million, uh, something in, in that range, or uh, could he be, uh, convinced to, you know, maybe take a, a few, uh, a, you know, fewer years at age 28, uh, or is this the time when he signs his, uh, his big long-term uh, contract? I don't know, Joe, that, but that doesn't sound like a Cleveland player. I mean, you yeah. know, you've taken a chance on, he had one big season, one bounce back season, and you're going to give him a, a long-term deal. I would think they would be, if the, if Cleveland went after him, it would be more along the lines of a Josh Bell deal yeah. with, you and, know, get the player an opt out and for a two year, two or three year deal. Well, I've, I've got two words for you that make him almost a, a non-starter for, for Cleveland. Scott Boris, Scott, right? Scott <laughs> Boris. That's, uh, those are the names that, uh, that, that, that sort of pop up when, when you think about that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's, uh, sort of pie in the sky dreaming that, that Cody Bellinger could be a guy for, uh, the, the Guardians would target. But hey, you never know. Uh, you didn't think we'd get, uh, that they would get Edwin Encarnacion in, uh, 2017. So, 
you know, who knows? Uh, another name, Harrison Bader, uh, another guy, uh, the guardians are very familiar with him as, as he sort of, uh, was instrumental in, in beating them in the postseason two years ago. But, uh, you know, another, another guy, uh, at, at age 30, who will, will probably be, uh, you know, seeking, uh, the, the kind of money that, uh, the, the guardians don't usually shell out. I don't know, Joe. He could be a dark horse guy. He he only played 98 games last year, you know, oblique and hamstring injuries. He's kind of bounced around the last three years. Kind of, He was establishing himself with St. Louis. Then he got, you know, went to the Yankees. Then he went to Cincinnati, ended up in Cincinnati this, this past season. Um, you know, that, that, that could be a, an interesting guy. We saw him play, <clears throat> what, in 2000, uh, 22 in the, in the postseason, he almost single-handedly beat Cleveland. Uh, but, uh, you know, injuries are a concern, definitely. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, 34 years old, also on the list. Uh, that that pro- he profiles more like, uh, you know, what uh, what the Guardians uh, have, have traditionally sort of looked at, you know, in terms of a, maybe a veteran guy there to, to sort of save money on a deal. But, uh, you know, what do you think the chances are they could seek, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a $10 million one year deal, uh, on somebody like, uh, Kiermaier? I don't know, Joe. I, I, you know, I, I mean, uh, who he, he, you know, he was, he was, you know, he was, he played real, you know, he's a, he's a good, uh, you know, a gold glove type, you know, center fielder. We saw that in Tampa Bay. We saw it again in Toronto. Um, you know, an interesting guy. I mean, I, I think that you'd have to kick the tires on him to see what, what he wants, but you know, these guys right now, when they get a little older, I'm, I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of, do they take that two, two year deal with a club option or a one year deal with a club option? It, it all depends, you know, where they're, where they're at and uh, where they, at, where they think they're at in their career. Yeah. Hit around uh 270 had about, uh, you know, uh, what uh 331 slugging 433 on base or three i'm sorry 331 on base uh 433 slugging uh about a dozen home runs 10 steals uh you know that's that's what you'd be looking at there uh i, I don't know if, if if he sort of fits the profile of, of somebody who would help the offense uh enough to to, to be out there and, and, and command the kind of contract that he would uh michael taylor uh 33 years old but uh, a guy who, you know, there's a little uh, familiarity there with uh, with him with the Twins. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, he he could he could fit if um if he if he's willing and 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 uh you know wants to come over here. Uh, he, offensively, he he'd be uh you know uh, at least an improvement over Straw. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I I'd be surprised if the Twins let him go. I would think they'd try to keep him. You know, he really helped them out in center field. He was he was their everyday center fielder. You know, he swung the bat pretty well. Uh, you know, so yeah, that that'd be definitely an interesting guy. But I, gosh, I, I I can't I can't see the Twins letting him get away. Well, simply because Byron Buxton can't stay healthy enough to stay on yeah, the field. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, 
That's the reason. What do you think about the idea of maybe uh, like a, a hybrid guy, like a guy who can also play the infield uh, as well? Uh, Kike Hernandez is out there uh, as a, as an option, and and you saw how uh, you know when he was traded over from Boston uh, back to uh, the Dodgers, he he sort of injected some life into that offense as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're looking at all options. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, so, you know, I think that, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they've got a bunch of <laughs> how many utility infielders or utility players can you have? You know, I mean, so, you know, I guess, uh, if you've got, you know, the, the ideal guy would be Bellinger, right? Cause he can play first right. base and center field. So, you know, that would, that would be, uh, you know, that, that'd be an interesting combination, but I think he's probably going to be out of their price range. Yeah, uh, a guy like uh, Hernandez, Kike Hernandez, who you could start him in center field, move him to the infield late in the game, or or, or vice versa. It it's he, he's proven effective wherever he is as long as he's in the lineup. So, uh, but I think you're right. Uh, his his contract demands would be uh, a a little bit high. So, you know, just running through some of these names and and you know it. it where in the lineup would you would you imagine that they need to fill the hole though? If you're you're thinking about the the top three guys in the top three four batting guy, uh, guys in the batting order, uh, you know I think you found a guy in Quan who's your leadoff hitter. Uh, you need do you need a guy who can handle the bat and 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 hit in the second uh, the number two hole? Uh, do you keep uh, Jose Ramirez at two, move him to three? Uh, what, what, where do you think uh, a center fielder needs to be able to hit in this lineup uh, in order to, you know, be somebody that they would bring in? Well, you know, they hit straw at the bottom of the lineup, obviously, you know, for a reason. Yeah, um, you're not going to sign that. You're not going to sign a free agent to, to hit ninth. I mean, this yeah. is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you could in sixth or seventh, you know, somewhere around there, depending, you know, what kind of pop he has. You know, I, I kind of like those guys that, you know, can ambush a hit a pitcher, you know, down, you know, in the in the sixth, seventh spot in the lineup. You know, I think uh, and, you know, it, it will depend on who the new manager is, obviously, you know, wh- what he you know, and what and is this guy a left handed hitter or switch hitter or right handed hitter? You know, so but, yeah, I, I would think you'd want somebody. I don't think you're going to you, you don't want I don't think you're going to bring Mickey Mantle into the into the lineup. He's not going to be your your cleanup hitter, but you know I think maybe sixth or seventh somewhere in the bottom third of that lineup. Yeah, they want somebody who can hit uh, somewhere north of the the ninth spot in the lineup. I think is is the answer to the to the question. Uh, I I just for for as long as they've had this this problem, you know, can you remember back to a, a time? When uh, the center field question was sort of solved for this this club, it's 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 been several years since they've they've had a, a solid uh, you know option there uh, you know a guy that you could pencil in and and who would uh, play uh, you know north of 140 games and, and produce for you. Yeah, well, you know, Grady Sizemore, you know, was obviously that was 30, that was a while ago. That Eddie was a Grady while Sizemore ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, Grady Sizemore. Uh, uh, you know, obviously Kenny Lofton going back, you know, to the nineties, you know, the, the, you know, that was, the, you know, I'm trying to think, I mean, geez, you know, it's, it's been a while. You're right. Uh, yeah. Then, you know, there's Tyler Naquin, Joe, uh, you know, uh, 
you won the job, came out of nowhere to win the job in 2016, the center field job, finished third that year in the, in rookie of the year voting. But he couldn't stay healthy either. But, you know, he was kind of, you know, he looked like center field was going to be his, you know, his and his alone. So, you know, but there, it, you're right. It has been a while since they've had a, a regular everyday center fielder. But I think, you know, you, you could have an everyday center fielder. You could move Brennan there. Brennan's played a lot of center field in the minors. Quan has played, you know, a, a ton of center field in, in college and in the minors. I mean, you, you could, those guys could be regular center fielders, I think. But you, you, like we were talking about, you have to supplement them. You have to have somebody playing the, in the corners that are going to drive in runs. Grady Sizemore was your opening day center fielder. Basically from, uh, you know, 2006 through 2009, uh, he was, well, 2010, I'm sorry. Uh, and then and then you had Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley, you know, back when he was younger, could, could move around and play the position, you know, pretty well. And, and obviously he was a solid hitter. Uh, you know, then, you know, as, as Brantley moved down the lineup, uh, Michael Bourne came in in 2013. Um, you had... Niger Morgan opened the 2014 season <laughs> leading off and playing center field. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, Michael Bourne was there in 2015. Uh, Roger Davis in 2016 you had. Um, and uh, Tyler Naquin was your starting center fielder in 2017. Uh, you had, you, you know, you flirted with uh, Bradley Zimmer uh, as, as your center fielder for a time, uh, and, you know, before he sort of fell yeah. off the cliff. Uh, but, but ever since then you've, you've run in basically a cast of characters, you know, Leonis Martin, uh, and Oscar Mercado, uh, Harold Ramirez played center field. You know, we all, uh, oh has nightmares if I bring up Harold <laughs> Ramirez playing the outfield. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Luplo even played there, uh, on an opening day, uh, you know, lineup. So. Uh, there were, there, there've been so many, it's been a revolving door since then. Uh, and you thought that, that straw had sort of solved that issue and solved that problem when they, they brought him in at the end of what, 2021, uh, and, and he hit 280 and he, he sort of proved himself, but now, uh, there's just so much uncertainty with him in, in that spot. Uh, it's, it's, it's led to this, uh, this crisis, basically they, they need to solve this outfield issue and, and it's the, you know, besides the manager and, and uh, you know, what that's going to look like, I think that's the other number one issue on the table this offseason. Yeah, you know, and I'm, you look down the, uh, you know, the the kind of their depth chart, you know, Petey Halpin at double A played 80 games in center field. He, you know, he was a high round pick uh, a couple years ago. He had 252, eight home runs, 29 RBIs, you know, Chase DeLauter. I don't know if, you know, he's more, I, I think he's, he's a, a corner guy. guy. Yeah, he's a corner guy, but he played a lot of center field in college, a little bit at, at uh, this past season. But I, I would think you'd want to play him in a corner because of his power. Uh, but, and, well, you know. and also because and, and also for health reasons. I mean, yeah, you, you, don't, yeah. you don't want to put him out there in center field and have him go diving after balls and crashing into walls. You want to keep his bat in the lineup if he's really what you think he is. Uh, I don't. I, yeah, I can't see Chase DeLauter ever playing center field in the big leagues. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know, Joe. I mean, this is a. Uh, you know, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it'd be hard to find a center fielder, but uh, I mean, they've, they've struggled to find well, one or a, re a regular one. 
They should sure. be turning over every rock and looking behind every door and, and uh, you know, just that should be the, the number one priority, I think, in my mind uh, to, to help this lineup is to, to find a center fielder that can, you know, hold the position down defensively and and give you, uh, you know, enough offense that that you can, you know, not it not kill you when when you're trying to rally here and and put runs on the board and and just become an absolute stopper in, at the plate. Uh, for your offense uh that's you know it as as far as i'm concerned that's the that's the the top priority right after uh, uh signing the manager uh let's take a look at uh oh remind our, our listeners uh, uh subtext is a great way to uh get the latest on whether uh you know who who the, the the next center fielder could be for the guardians or you know if they've decided to, to make a signing uh we'll have uh updates uh, sending out to your directly to your phone, uh, my, uh, me and Hoinsey, uh text our list, our subscribers. It's three ninety nine a month. Uh, sign up for subtext at cleveland.com slash subtext or go to uh, or send a, a text message to two one six two zero eight four three four six. Hoinsey, what do you think the chances are that uh, Andres Jimenez uh, and Stephen Kwan both repeat as Gold Glove winners uh, this year for uh, Cleveland? You know, I'd, I'd like both their chances, Joe, especially Jimenez. I, I mean, we saw him. We saw him every day, and it was a treat. And uh, I think, you know, his war rankings, you know, StatCast loves him. I think uh, he's got a, a great chance to win to win a second gold glove. I think Quan, you know, I, I love the guy. I, I, I mean, I, I love to watch him play left field. He's fearless out there. He's got a good arm. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, Varsho and, and Hayes, his main competition are, you know, the f- other finalists. We haven't, we haven't, we didn't get to see a whole lot of them, but, uh, you know, Quan to me is, is there's hands down, he should win it again. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, Quan will have a, a tougher time, uh, beating out Varsho, uh, than, uh, Jimenez will have beating out, uh, Marcus Simeon, his closest competition, uh, there at second base, uh, Mauricio Dubon, also a finalist at second, uh, but but he's also a finalist for the utility position in the American League, so uh, could be interesting there. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. I, I think it would be a total upset, a total shock if if uh, Jimenez doesn't win that Gold Glove, uh, and if he's not necessarily you know maybe a close finisher, if not winning the the Platinum Glove in the American League, I think he. He, uh, more than anybody, uh, you know, just looked to me past the, that eye test as the best defender in the American League. Uh, and, uh, you know, he said, you know, we talked to him at the end of the season in Detroit, and he said uh, the difference this year was feeling healthy all year long and, and not feeling as beat up as he did, you know, last year at the end of the year. He was he, he was on fumes, uh, just the beating that he took. He, you know, when, when you're not leading the league in hit-by-pitch, uh, in the hit by pitch category, uh, I think that that maybe adds to uh, your ability to go after some of these uh, these baseballs, and you know maybe the new rules of, of about the defensive shifting sort of allowed him to to show off his range a little bit more and show off some of the skill that he has. Uh, that, that you know we anticipated that you know the the infielders have to start uh, on the dirt when the ball is is pitched. I think that's a that was a a big part of you know what made him uh, very effective. And just looked the part out there. So uh, if we're not talking about Andres Jimenez uh, winning a gold glove on a future podcast, then 
you know, something went terribly wrong. Yeah, Joe. I mean, I think uh, we just saw him make play after play after play that that not many that that no other second baseman can make. And uh, you know, I, I was uh, we've talked about this before, but you know, Terry Francona was saying an interesting thing, uh, you know, about the, the anti shift rule and uh, you know that you couldn't play on the grass anymore. And he thought that it took uh, Jimenez, you know, a, a little bit, a little while to get used to the different angles because you had to stay on the dirt, like you were saying. And, uh, you know, but once he got got those angles down on the ground balls, uh, there was no stopping him. He was, you know, he looked like, uh, you know, Mike Hargrove used to say Kenny Lofton was so fast and it, that that he distorted the game. And, I, <laughs> that, and, and sometimes Quan looks, I mean, not Quan, uh, Jimenez looks like he distorts, you know, the game with his ability to, to to a field ground balls and and get to balls that nobody else you know can get to. Yeah, so his footwork is uh, is is elite, I think, and that's uh, something that we're we're spoiled. We get to see on a on a regular basis. Uh, all right, Hoinsey, uh that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we will check back in with you again tomorrow. All right, Joe.